What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Best Of Podcast here on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. Thank you for sharing part of your Saturday with us. This is the show where we give you the best five minutes from all the different shows we have here on the Gold Standard Network every single week. Hopefully you like something, maybe you didn't hear something, and maybe get exposed to a couple of hosts that you haven't listened to before. Before we get into today's show, I just want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Pods. We will read it. That's how people discover us. Your reviews help us move up the charts. So please and thank you there. And like and subscribe to the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel as well. All right, here we go. Five shows this week, five clips for you. And we start, as we always do, with myself and Vish Kumaran on Mondays. We call it Under Review. One more thing also on the uh, Purdy Ayuk for this Christian McCaffrey question, to me, they do it because they need him, okay? Let's be honest about something, because I, I felt a little bit watching it yesterday. Just like we talk about Brock Purdy benefits from Christian McCaffrey, this entire offense is benefiting from Christian McCaffrey. All of these weapons, they're benefiting from Christian McCaffrey. They're way better with Christian McCaffrey on the field. With Christian McCaffrey off the field, we saw what the offense looked like at the end of the day yesterday. This offensive line, I... I I, I wish I, I we got last time we got the little copyright put on us and I don't have the clips prepared, but I had I can pull up a bunch of clips from, you know, games earlier this year where, holy cow, the offensive line didn't actually block that run that well. But Christian McCaffrey ended up getting eight yards because he's Christian McCaffrey. OK, so that's <laughs> that's why they put Christian McCaffrey in the game for so long, because guess what? Everybody on this team needs Christian McCaffrey on offense. He's the engine. He makes everything go. And it's time we give that credit to these other skill players, too, because I'm sick of just putting that on Brock Purdy. Oh, Brock Purdy has Christian McCaffrey. Brandon Ayuk has Christian McCaffrey. He's been benefiting from Christian McCaffrey this year. Debo Samuel has Christian McCaffrey. He's been benefiting from Christian McCaffrey. George Kittle has Christian McCaffrey. He's been benefiting from Christian McCaffrey. Preach. I completely agree. McCaffrey is, without a doubt, the most important offensive player for the 49ers. When he went down, the offense looked completely and utterly different. And it was pathetic, frankly. Um, first downs in the second half, Vish. This is my this was my pet project mm -hmm. this morning. The Niners had 12 first downs in the second half on seven different possessions. How many yards do you think they gained on those first downs? All told. Uh negative. It'll be negative. Zero. Oh, it was okay. zero. It netted out to zero. It netted out to zero. Not a single. Yard. And by the way, most of that came on the final drive when Ayuk had that 25-yard catch and run. Other than that, it was awful. It was incompletion. It was sack. It was penalty. It was... So they were at a minus 25 before Ayuk got the plus 25 on the first down? Uh, there were They gained 28 yards on the last three first downs, one of which was an incomplete pass. It was a 25-yarder to Ayuk, and then there was a three-yard run also on a first down. So they but were minus 28. It was... It was when you include penalty yardage, yeah, okay, which yeah. I am because it, it's, it's part of it, yeah, yeah. So it, that's how pathetic the offense was without Christian McCaffrey. On Tuesdays, Jason Aponte and Steph Sanchez take the stage for what we call bully ball. I want to highlight some positives. I thought Randy Gregory Yo. is somebody who needs to play a lot more, and he was not only a force Absolutely. with the pass rush but the run defense as well. He had a few TFLs, but I want to talk about this before we give the praise. 
The Dre Jackson thing is not working right now, Steph. I don't know where this young man has gone. That three-sack game was a mirage. And I and I kind of thought it was because, again, Eric Armstead was sending guys his way. Steph, we expected so much from Dre Jackson. And then Randy Gregory comes in and immediately looks more impactful in less snaps. I mean, it's a great thing for the 49ers because it, it allows Dre Jackson to now develop a little bit more. But Randy Gregory coming in and automatically being dominant when that's what you thought you were going to get at least a little bit from or at least shades of with Drake Jackson, isn't that a bit concerning for Drake Jackson? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I'll say that, I mean, Gregory, obviously a veteran, he was already like a pretty well-established pass rusher before coming to the 49ers. This isn't a reclamation project uh, for the team. So that's the difference there. Drake Jackson is still, you know, a young player. He's in his second year. Uh, I did have, I think we all had, you know, high hopes for Drake Jackson, especially after how he looked in in the off season and, you know, he lost all this weight. He got in good shape, all that. It seems like it's not really the conditioning. That's the issue right now. It's more so just being able to finish. And I think one of the issues with uh, Jackson, like coming out of college was that he was really raw. I think he had a very limited uh, like number of moves and I don't know if he's really built on that. Um, you know, I can't really say, but like, I don't think we've seen him really build on that because he's he's not really getting to the passer aside from that, um, you know, week one game. So, yeah, it is it is disappointing. I, I do hope that, you know, having Gregory and, you know, even Clinton Farrell on that side to maybe like help him out, give him give him some pointers could help his growth. You know, you think about Manuel Sanders and how that helped, you know, Ayuk and, and Debo uh, when they made that mid season trade. Maybe it could have the same Gregory could have the same impact for Drake Jackson. That's the one thing you could hope for. Um, but yeah, like Gregory, he he looks great, man. And again, not a reclamation project. He's a good pass rusher. And this is exactly the type of impact that you wanted to see out of someone who, mind you, only had two and a half practices with the team before going out there and playing 26 snaps, three pressures. He had a sack, three quarterback hits, the two tackles for loss. I mean, that is impact right there. And it was on limited snaps and you can imagine that he's only going to be able to do more as he gets more opportunities with this team. So I'm excited because to this point, and it could be just because, you know, that opposite side of the defensive line hasn't really moved the needle, but like as a whole, I feel like the defensive line has been a little disappointing based on like how we remember them looking, you know, last season. Right. And, you know, in terms of of Gregory, right, like I'm surprised at how he was in the run defense as well, too. I think that's a great thing as well. But the 49ers have been chasing that speed rusher that they had with D Ford since 2019. That's what they want Drake Jackson to be. Randy Gregory fits that a little bit more, especially as a one year rental. It feels a lot more like that is someone who can line up right across from Bosa, get him ramped up a little bit more. And then you're going to see some good things. You can still keep Drake Jackson in the rotation, obviously. Mm-hmm. Clinton Farrell's a run stopper on the outside. He's been very good, actually, as well, too. I want to give love because everyone's giving love to Diamador Lenore for the interception. Javon Kinlaw blew up that play and was the reason that P.J. Walker had to let that thing go as quickly as possible. Javon Kinlaw, again, the highest graded pass rusher situationally. I don't care if it wasn't a sack. It might as well. He might as well get half that interception from Lenore. And and that is so great to see. He got his fingertip on it? No, no, he he forced PJ Walker to, to to immediately blew through in the middle, and PJ Walker had to let that thing go quickly, like and get it out, right? Like 
that is another great thing. Like Javon Kinlaw has been such a revelation this season, and it's so good to see him playing so well, man. It is so good. Nick Bosa is really good as well, too. Uh, another sack in this game, Randy Gregory with the other. Surprisingly, the person who led the team in pressures, Oren Burks. That's another positive. Drake Greenlaw mm-hmm. was obviously missing in this game, but Oren Burks, man, whenever he's his number is called, he's always solid. And and that always mm-hmm. felt like a uh that always felt like a an addition that just fell by the wayside, and nobody ever really thought much of it. Oh, he's just a special teams guy. Man, when Oren Burks' number is called, he really plays well, man. Like, so like these are some of the things that were positives. Now, there weren't many. There were not many, but these are the things that were positives. On Wednesdays, I hook up with 49ers beat writer Grant Cohn. We call it Stats and Cohn. Joshua Wyatt says, George Kittle was humbled on Sunday. They needed a safety blanket with McCaffrey out and the Browns sending pressure. Watch the tape. He wasn't open. He lacks the short distance burst slash suddenness he once had. I will say this. Kyle has to find a way to get Kittle the ball. And I know he can. He Pierre Garçon led the league in yards under Kyle Shanahan. I've seen him get the ball to go. Richie James had like a 180 sure. yard game with Kyle. He knows how to do it. He can manufacture. He can get yes. him open. But to Josh Wyatt's point, he's not getting himself open the way he used to. So on third and seven, I felt like four years ago, three years ago, when they were in the Super Bowl, Kittle was the go-to guy in that situation and everything played off of him. Now it's like he might run the little out route to the left. Other than that, like, what is the route he's going to run that's that he's going to win on? That's not like play action, you know, like, uh, I don't know, man. I think he's kind of right. He's not the player he used to be. He's still good, though. He was dominant a few years ago. I think that's fair. And I, I also think, honestly, like, George has got a lot going on. A lot going on off the field. He's become a big that's star. True. I'm not saying he's not putting in the work. I'm just saying there's a difference. Like, we always talk about with Ayuk in the contract year, right? There's that hunger there. There is that burning desire that is hard to replicate unless your circumstances around you are right. Kittle's been paid. He's an older guy. He's been in the league for a few years. I'm just saying, does he have that same fire? I don't know. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm saying, I don't know. Well, I I feel like there's a bit of a phenomenon that he steps up in big games. And I feel like maybe at this point in his career, at his age, all the thing he's a kind of a crossover star. He's waiting to be a a WWE uh, wrestler. Maybe he just can't get up for the 10 a.m. game in Cleveland. Maybe he's like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football in my, in Minnesota with everyone watching. That's his Monday night raw. Like he gets to, he'll have a shirt on. He'll make it about him because it's a big event. But if it's just the Browns on CBS or, or Fox, maybe he just can't get up for it like other people can or like he used to. Is that possibly human nature? It's possible. Maybe he's just not getting open. I don't know. (laughs) I do want to point out that he did have a ton of good blocks in the game and did a good job blocking. He did. His blocking is great, but we need more than that. You're not an offensive lineman. You're a tight end. So Kyle's got to find a way to get him the ball. George has got to find a way to get open, especially with those guys hurt. With with McCaffrey and Debo not in the game, Ayuk and Kittle should be enough. Thursdays is a show that started it all with myself and Levin Black, the original gold standard podcast people obviously want to hear about the kicker i am not on the robbie gold solves all our problems train he made 84 percent of his kicks last year okay he missed a 41 yarder against the raiders that could have won them the game now the difference was it was tied and he got another chance in overtime from 25 yards away which he made 
Jake Moody also made a 25 yarder on Sunday. So if we really like, I just, I don't think the Robbie gold thing is a real thing. Um, and I have confidence that Moody is going to bounce back. Do you have confidence that Moody's going to bounce back? Undecided. I don't know enough about Moody. We haven't seen enough. I have no idea. Young, young players crumble. If I remember correctly, that Roberto uh, Aguayu, he started out, I think he made like, he had two good games and then he had one bad game and never recovered. Yep. Right. So that that's, that's the worry. I don't know enough about Moody to know for sure. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to say that, but as far as gold goes, I don't need another D- David Akers year. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't need the, hey, I made the NFL record, but I'm really old. And the next year the wheels fell off and David Akers had a horrendous season. Gold was the oldest kicker in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. He showed signs that he's starting to miss the cheap shots. Like you said, he missed a 41 yarder. He uh, only made 84% of his kicks. You can't expect him to get better. So you're going to get worse. You're going to just willingly accept, say, 80%. No. You're going to go out and get somebody. Now, I disagreed with who they got. I do not agree with getting a rookie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wrote the article. We've talked about it multiple times. I don't need to go in depth on it. But rookies struggle in the NFL. I would have rather spent the money that you were spending on Robbie Gold and gotten a guy like uh, Matt Gay. That's who you want. I remember. Um, Diego says, Rob, you mentioned Robbie Gold on the Instant Reacts. That's true. And I, I stand by it. I said on the Instant Reacts, Robbie Gold makes that kick. I think he does make that kick in that spot. The problem is he's got to make other kicks in other spots and attempt other kicks in other spots. And I don't have confidence in him to make those. And people will say, whoa, it doesn't matter if he makes the clutch ones. Well, if he makes the earlier ones, you don't need the ones at the end of the game. So I'm just, I think there's a different kind of moron goes by Robbie anyways. Right. I seriously, I mean, he could have been Rob gold. How good is like, that is a name, right? Like Robbie, uh, it's not the same. Uh, spy versus spy makes a good point. Not on the Robbie Gold train either, just not sold on Mooney is the answer. The problem is, if you don't want Robbie Gold and you don't want Jake Moody, who are you going to get? I don't even know who else is out there, to be honest with you, in terms of kickers. I mean, if you want to dive deeper into it, I've said for a couple of years now, I don't understand why teams don't invest more money in terms of scouting for kicking, because there are guys out there that could be great NFL kickers that ended up playing division three division two because college teams don't spend money on scouting a kicker like college kicking is horrendous and NFL teams don't do it either and to highlight that I remember the Rams when Greg Zerline came out of nowhere and what did they do they said they assigned one scout that in addition to his normal stuff they said pour over every single kicker in the nation and figure out the best guy. We don't care what level he played at. And that's how they found Greg Zerline, who's still around kicking for, you know, what, 10 years later now, I think it's been. But then you look at the guy that, I'm, I'm blanking on his name because I got a Guayu stuck in my head. Uh, the, the guy that's in Dallas, he's a rookie kicker. He played professional soccer and decided, hey, I'm not going to make it in this. I'm going to go kick the, for the NFL. And now he's having the best rookie start of all time. Yeah, he's perfect on the year. <laughs> uh, so... To me, I, I wish that teams would invest more money because there are guys out there in the country that could be great professionals, and teams just don't spend the money on it. I don't know why. Not money. They don't spend the scouting time on it. And I know I've heard a couple of former special teams coaches say that they don't know what they're looking for also. Like, you have to be yep. able to tell whether or not. Well, hire your former kicker. Right. You 
you know, your all-time great kicker. Hire them to go find a kicker. You know what I mean? Like Speaking it's not that difficult. Of kickers and kicker comments, you were upset over some comments that Jason Aponte made earlier during his show, Bully Ball, on Tuesdays. Uh, I want to play the comments for people, and then you can well, react. This is a small part of the comments. I didn't even know you had grabbed this as the yes. highlight. I okay. listened to the pod. Okay, well, here's here's a snippet. This kick is one thing. That face, that face, that is the face of a young man that is losing his confidence, and the yips are on the way. That is not what you want to see. Buck up, Jake Moody. Buck up. I know your other issue was that Moody was crying, right? Or right. That- well, that's why Jason's saying that is because he could see tears. You can tell, you know, he said earlier in the show before that comment, he could tell that Moody had just been crying and then went on to say that he's probably going to go cry again after the interview made that joke. I have issue with it because the way Jason put it is, oh, if you're crying, you're weak. And that's a sign that you lost your confidence. And to be honest with you, fuck all that. Like it pissed me off. I texted you about it. It does pissed me off. We need to stop that crap in this country and in, in the world, really. Men can cry. It's okay. How dare Jake Moody care so much that he cried about it, right? That that just pisses me off. Doesn't mean you're weak. Crying does not mean you're weak. So we just need to stop that. Because that, that's toxic masculinity. You're saying Jake Moody is confidence is shot because you can see that he had tears in his eyes. No, I, I'm not behind that. And it really does bother me. Like I can J- tell Jason's a good guy, but that comment bothered the crap out of me. Like, no, it does not mean he's lost his confidence. It means he cared so much that he got emotional about it. It's I okay think, for men to get emotional. It doesn't mean they're weak. I think that clearly Moody was emotional. I mean, he looks like he's going right. to, he's, he's he feeling it, but that doesn't necessarily mean a crisis of confidence. I agree with you. He could just be so upset that he lost, not like, oh, I can't, you know, I'll never be able to do it again. I think it was just literally like, we had it. Like, we had the game. They put me in the, think about it if you're the kicker, right? You're sitting there, you've already missed one, and your team is battling. They are struggling, but they are battling. They haven't done anything in the second half. They had negative 12 yards in the third quarter. They basically couldn't do anything. They had one drive in the fourth quarter, really, and there they go. They go all the way right down the field. They get the completion. They move it right in the middle of the field. And it's like, okay, kick this through and and we avoid disaster. And Jake Moody gets out there and he just pushes it to the right and they lose. And everybody in that locker room is looking at him. I know they were supportive, but he knows what's up. He knows the deal. And I think it crushed him. And it's his first loss at the professional level also. I, I but, get put yourself in his shoes, right? You... It's a unique thing to kicking when it comes to the football field, I think. You're already looked at as this guy that's not really a football player. And by the way, Jason says that too, and that bothers me too, but whatever. You know, the kick, the kickers and punters aren't football players. You know, they're just here and they better do their job. That's something that a lot of fans believe. That's something a lot of football players believe. A lot of NFL players believe that the, the kickers are here because they have to be, right? They're not really a football player. So you have that stigma on you. Right. And then you got to come in and you got to win the game and you failed and let everybody down. Everybody's looking at you saying, if you just did your job, Mm -hmm. this one play, we win and you cost us the game. Right. Now, I don't know that anybody in the locker room would have said that. I I seriously doubt that. But that's how you feel being that person. Right. And that would make you emotional. You literally 
cost the team the game on a single play. You know, it'd be like having the last play and you have a wide open touchdown and it hits you right in the hands and you drop it. You feel like you lo- you let everybody down, but then you add to it the whole stigma with kickers. So I don't blame him for being emotional. And I'm not okay with people saying that him being emotional is a sign of weakness. We close out every week with the Gold Diggers podcast. That is myself and Michelle Majuk from NFL Network. We give you our betting and fantasy advice for the 49ers opponent that week. Let's get into some best bets for the week. You have three best bets for us. I have a couple as well. Give me your fastball best bet for week seven. All right. It's different. It's not a player prop. It's 49ers will have a lead at the end of the first quarter because they have a minus 0.5 point spread. So they just have to be up by one point. They just have to have a lead. And the 49ers have had a lead at the end of the first quarter in five of their six games. They've been up by at least four points in all five of those games that they had the lead. The Vikings have been trailing after the first quarter in five of their six games. Minnesota has scored a total of six points in the first quarter this year. The 49ers have scored a total of 41 points in the first quarter this year. So they're outscoring them 41 to six in the first quarter this season. I like this bet. I love this bet. That's an, that's amazing. That is so good. How many, I mean, pretty much every time this year, the 49ers have gone down the field and scored on the opening drive, either a field goal or a touchdown. They have the most op- points on the opening drive of any team in the league. And it could be a thing where they score on the first drive and then don't score again for the rest of the first quarter. But I think that might be enough in this one to, to win this bet. So I absolutely love it by you. I'm going to go as soon as the show ends. I'm racing to go place that bet. That is fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm over these player prop bets. So I do player prop bets for the locked on. I do a locked on podcast and I'm hitting those right. It's uh, the rest of the league is a little bit easier. I can't seem to understand who Kyle Shanahan's going to use or not use in any, any given game or when right. their defense is going to show up or not show up against certain positions. It's driving me crazy. It's very hard <laughs> to tell. Uh, so I, I kind of went different routes this week. Well, I think that's a smart way to go. I'm on board with that. And that that could be a bet, honestly, that you bet every week. I wouldn't be like when they're especially if they're playing a team like the Vikings, who are not as talented and are missing their best offensive threat. Like I would smash that. I absolutely love that. So thank you for that. Hopefully you're going to make me some money. Jimmy Kwan. Thanks for the super chat. Under pressure, Kyle reverts to Henry Winkler, the coach from the water boy. A Super Bowl win will happen when Kyle comes full circle as a coach, period. I do, and I've said this, I think that Kyle does react in a close game. He clenches up a little bit. He gets a little nervous. I think he gets overly conservative. I think he sort of factors. And he overthinks it, like not running when you have another play to run. I think he just like, he just gets nervous about like what's happening out there. And he's like, oh, I don't know. He thinks he's like being so smart about it, but I think he, he just gets in his own head to be honest with you. Like sometimes you just got to look at it and be like, we're the way more freaking talented team. Let's go for it. Let's put it, the game in the hands of my players, have a little faith. And he doesn't always do that. I think he tries to like win the game with his calls sometimes or his decisions. And it's like, no, let the players will handle it, but it can be frustrating. But like you said earlier, like the Niners are usually winning by multiple scores. So it hasn't really come back to bite him too much. All right. Best bet. Number two. All right, I'm going with uh, Daniil Hunter over. They only have a 0.25 sack, so he only needs a half a sack. Right now, he's tied for the NFL lead with eight sacks this season. He's tied with TJ Watt. Woo-woo. He has one plus sack in five or six games. You have Trent Williams dealing with an injury. We know the rest of this line isn't elite in any way. So 
I- I'm going to take the shot that he has at least a half a sack in this game. First of all, I don't appreciate you honing into my best bet territory because you know I love those defensive bets with the sacks. I, I love any any bet where one play, you could win money. And I have the whole game to get the one play. To me, like that just leaves me with the warm and fuzzy. So I always love these bets. And the fact that the sack leader only needs a half a sack, kind of love right. that. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't even have to do it all by himself. He yeah. could sort of there could be pressure and then the quarterback could just kind of roll towards him and he kind of touches them. And like, there you go. Like whatever you still get money. So I like, do you have the odds on that? I don't, they weren't too bad though. Like, so I, cause I'll never pick something that you're not going to win money on. I think it was like minus minus one eighteen something around right. that. So you still will make solid money. So I just full disclosure, there were two sack bets that I looked at in this game. You know, I always check for Bosa Bosa was minus 0.75, so you have to get a full sack for that. But it was minus 160. And to me, I was like, that's too much. For If you don't know, that means in order to win $100, you have to bet $160. So there's not enough return there for me on that one. But I did like Javon Hargrave because his number is only minus 0.25, and he's at minus 110. So he only needs a half sack, and it's at minus 110. So much better odds for that one. So I would take Javon Hargrave over 0.25 sacks in the game. That was one of my best bets. He's He's been good this year. I don't trust the Vikings offensive line. We know Hargrave can get pressure and he can get pressure quickly and Kirk Cousins can't freaking move. So if Hargrave gets pressure, he's going to get a sack because Kirk can't go anywhere. Yeah, so that's the thing. Kirk can't move. The, the, um, the Vikings actually randomly do have a pretty good pass blocking offensive line this year. It's like the best that Kirk Cousins has had by far since being with the Vikings. I think they're, uh, they have the third highest pass blocking offensive line according to PFF, but still, like you said, Kirk Cousins isn't, isn't running away from anybody. So nope. they, they, be they good. just have to get some pressure on him. It'll be fun. Okay. Best bet number three for you. I'm going with Brandon Ayuk over 65 and a half receiving yards with Debo hurt, with CMC hurt. He should hit this. He's hit it. He's had 75 plus receiving yards in three of five games. He should have had a much bigger game last week as well. Just kept missing on those, but mm-hmm. it's not like the Viking secondary is scary. He should be the main guy in this game and he should hit 66 receiving yards. And if Debo is out, I know people are going to say, well, he's getting double T. I don't care. Kyle will find a way to get him open. Ayuk is good. I think he had, you know, I think everybody just had a down week. They were not on it. They were not sharp last week. Ayuk has not been the guy that's been, you know, in the past, he's dropped a lot of balls. He's had games like he had last week. But this year, he hasn't been that guy. He's been on it. He's been catching almost all of his targets. I think we're going to get back to that on Monday night. I think he'll go over 65 and a half. I think he's going to have, honestly, I don't know what his longest reception is in the game. I think he's going to have like a 30 yarder in the game. Um, and so I, I would smash this over as well. And he, honestly, like if those guys aren't out there, he's going to have to, if they're going to move the ball. Yeah. I was thinking about the George Kittle over or even a touchdown and I think he will hit it and I think he could have a touchdown, but I'm sick of just taking chances on <laughs> Kyle Shanahan using him and who knows? I mean, it's it feels like a, a coin flip at this point, betting on George Kittle. Like, of course, if they're going to plan to use him, he's going to smash it because uh, he's a great player. But then at any given game, he could just completely ghost and never be utilized. So that was another one of my best bets. I have Kittle over 43 and a half yards. 
Again, it comes down to the fact that Debo is banged up. We've seen Kyle have Debo out there at less than 100% and just sort of be a decoy and not really do anything. So yeah. that could be a possibility, too, where Debo plays, but he's just sort of there. Nobody can cover. Like, he's such an advantage at the tight end position. And with Kyle scheming, nobody should be able to cover him. He should be able to get open and get yards. And if he catches the ball, the first dude is not tackling him because the first guy never tackles George Kittle. So use Kittle, use Ayuk, get George the ball. I think he's going to have a big game. I don't know if he'll have like three touchdowns like he did against Dallas because that was a career high. But I think his yardage is going to be up there in this one. Give me Kittle over 43 and a half. I'm rolling the dice. I know. You know, I'm kind of trying to figure out what Kyle's going to do, and that's a scary proposition, but I'll take Kittle over 43 and a half. Yeah, when Brandon Ayuk did miss a few weeks ago, that's the one game George Kittle actually saw targets. He had nine targets. I know he had three touchdowns in the other game, but it was three receptions for three touchdowns. Like, <laughs> So the one game he actually saw targets, it was one when one of the wide receivers missed the game. So if Debo is limited or injured, you would expect then the targets to go to George Kittle so if I had to make a bet on it, I would definitely take the over uh, on George Kittle, but I just I wasn't brave enough to do it. Well, I'm going to be a little brave also because my last best bet is Brock Purdy over 1.5 touchdown passes. I talked about it earlier. I think he needs to step up. I think he needs to. He's got a little something to prove this week because, you know, he took a, he had to eat a lot of crap because everyone's saying, you know, he's a fraud. He turned back into a pumpkin, all that stuff. One and, bad game. In right. His career. Right. Oh and I agree. But that's because people, you know, they always thought that about Brock Purdy. But you couldn't say that because he kept throwing two touchdown passes and he kept winning. So they've just been lying in the weeds waiting to have that take. I know people think that's me with Brock Purdy. It's not. I think there's a difference between saying Brock did not play well and see Brock is Brock stinks. He's a fraud. I've never said that about Brock Purdy. I did say he didn't play well against the Browns, but I think he's going to play well in this one. There's no weather. They're inside. Also, the crowd's going to be about 45% 49er fans, which is nice, you know, because Minnesota can be a tough place to play, but it seems like the faithful are going to have a little bit of a takeover there. So that'll be, that'll help mitigate that. And I think Brock is just going to be just dicing him up, getting the ball out of his hands quick, finding Kittle, finding Ayuk. If Debo's out there, maybe finding Debo. I'm going to take Brock over 1.5 touchdown passes. I would love to see that from him because I am sick of people being mean to Brock Purdy. <laughs> He's been fantastic. He's had one. Every quarterback has bad games. Even Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen has had plenty of bad games. Like quarterbacks have bad games. You're not going to have a hundred plus passer rating in every single game in your career, which is basically what Purdy does over and over and over and over again. He had to go on the road in a tough environment against the best defense in the league right now. That's what it's looking like. And bad, did I say bad weather already? I don't know, but yes. And a coach that owns Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, exactly. So stop it with the pretty hate. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, rate review and follow the gold standard podcast network. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you maybe heard something that you hadn't heard before. And more importantly, hope maybe you found another show to add to your 49ers podcast lineup. 
Thanks, everybody. Remember, you can join us live after the game on Monday night for the Instant Reaction podcast. Also, we have the Crossover podcast. If you want to take a deep dive into the Minnesota Vikings, Paul Allen, their radio voice, joined me as well. So you definitely want to listen to that. He is one of the best in the business. We got into some other non-Viking stuff, too, where he likes to call a game, things like that. Definitely worth your time. Hope you have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy the football Sunday and then get ready on Monday, baby. Go Niners. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.